The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here tonight. Uh, one of the things I've been doing while I was in seminary is working part-time at uh, Lancaster Airport as a flight instructor, training other students how to learn to fly an airplane. And uh, along with this training, there's several phases in the training with uh, teaching students how to fly. One of those phases is cross-country training. And, of course, one of the fundamental lessons in learning cross-country you know, cross training is uh, to know your course, to set your course, and to fly your course. Now, uh, we need a compass to do that. And if you're not checking the compass often, we're not going to get to the desired destination. And uh, there's only one heading that's going to get you in the right place. There's 360 degrees on the compass. One of those is going to get you at the right destination. So that means there's 359 degrees of error. Okay. So this reminds me of our faith. The Bible is our compass. And the Bible tells us the fullness of Christ and the fullness we have in Christ. And we need to look to him often to avoid error, to avoid going in the wrong direction. And the only way we're going to stay on track in life is if we look to the fullness of Christ because it will keep us from the deceitfulness of this world. So I'd like for you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. And the background behind this, as you're going to your page there, Paul wrote this epistle while he was in prison in Rome, and Paul had never actually visited Colossae. It was, he was not even the founder of this Christian community. It was Epaphras. Epaphras gave word to Paul and said, there's been error going on in Colossae. And so Paul responds with a letter to help try to correct the error there. So this passage we're looking at tonight is actually the hinge in which the whole book of Colossians hangs. Now let's read that, Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, 
nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let us pray. Father, we're so grateful for what you've achieved for us through your Son, Christ, by giving us this fullness in him. And we're so grateful, Lord, we just ask that you would make this word alive to us, that you'd fill our hearts with wisdom, show us how to live our lives more in your image. We pray these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I mentioned these lost procedures, and there's 359 degrees of error. Well, can you imagine now, I'm trying to teach a student uh, how to go to a different place, a different airport from this airport, and there's only one heading to go on. And now, this is their first time flying the cross-country flight. Can you imagine that they're, they might get it right the first time? Do you think they're going to get it perfect the first time? No, not a chance. They're going to go off in the wrong direction. And they're going to go, there's 359 chances to go wrong and one to go right, right? So they're going to go wrong. Now, I wouldn't be much of a flight instructor. I wouldn't be a very good flight instructor if I didn't teach them how to get out of a bad situation, how to get out of a lost condition, and how to get back on track. So knowing that they're going to get into this circumstance, I better train them how to get out of it. So there are, I actually teach these students the four C's of uh, lost procedures, and this is what they are. Climb, conserve, confess, comply. So climb to a higher altitude, you can probably see more and kind of get bearings. Uh, conserve your fuel, you might want to fly a little bit longer in case, you know, if you're lost so you can just find your way. And confess to yourself that you have a problem, confess to traffic control that you need some help. And then comply with their, with their instructions. Well, just as there are lost procedures for flying, there are lost procedures for our faith. When we go wrong, when we start getting deceived or find ourselves going in the wrong direction, there are lost procedures for our faith. And I believe this passage, this passage is giving us lost procedures for our faith. So I mentioned the four C's of lost procedures for flying. Well, there's three R's I'm going to give you for finding your way back in your faith. Three R's. They're remember, remain, and reflect. Okay, so we need to remember that there's actually deceit in the world trying to pull us in the wrong direction. Just knowing that kind of helps us to be aware and to, and to look out. Remain, remain in Christ as you received him. Don't add or subtract from the message. Remain in Christ. And then reflect on the fullness we have in Christ. And it'll just generate a whole amount of thankfulness when you think about the truth of, of, of Scripture and what he's done for us. So that's just an overview. I'm going to go into a little bit more depth here. So the first R in our lost procedure is remember. Remember the fullness of Christ because it will keep you from deception. The passage tells us to beware, look out, see to it that no one takes you captive through deceptive philosophy, through human tradition, and through the basic principles of this world. Now, the danger of deception is very real. If you've been a Christian for a while, I could probably ask any one of you if you know anybody in your life who you knew to be a really solid Christian, mature in their faith, and you just, you don't see them in church anymore, and they're not coming back. You probably could tell me at least one name. I know I, I could probably name a couple, of, a couple of different people in my life I've, I've seen that happen to. Danger is real. It happens all the time. And they decide that these, they're just going to have life the way they want it. They're just going to make up rules as they see fit. 
and they've just bought into the lies. And so the sad reality is that this does happen. It happens all the time. And it can be easy for us to believe that it would never happen to us. We would never have this problem. We would never be tempted to believe a lie. Or we would never allow ourselves to be deceived. But, like I said, it, always, it happens all the time. The only way we're going to stay on track in life is if we remember the fullness of Christ because it will keep us from the deceitfulness of this world. So there's some things that Paul mentions, things that might draw us away from the faith. And some things like he mentions philosophy. How would philosophy get in our way? How would that deceive us? Well, think of some words I'm going to list out here, like rationalism. It tells us that knowledge comes by reason and not by scripture. What about postmodernism, which tells us that truth is relative and truth is up to each individual to determine for himself? Or even Greek philosophers such as Plato, they would tell us the body is evil and must be subjected to harsh treatment in order to bring it into submission. And the early church was influenced by these kind of, these kind of ideas. And some, there are some churches now actually still influenced by, church, by the Greek philosophy. Closer to home, you may have heard of some word of faith churches that tell us that if we have enough faith, we can just name it and claim it. And they tell us that our word is very powerful. Just as God was able to speak and the world was created, we can speak and what we ask for will happen. And this is clearly deception. God is not a vending machine. It, but it happens all the time where people are being deceived. We think it's not going to happen to us. We don't think it's going to happen to our friends. But you know just as well as I do, we've seen some of our friends buy the lie. And off they go. They're not here anymore. So our passage today reveals a time in church history when deception came in the form of rules, deceiving people, telling them they have to add to their faith. There's more to do. You're not doing enough. Christ isn't enough. And you know, today, actually, we're, we're, there's a different tactic happening in the world. Instead of telling us there's more to do, they're telling us there's less to do. We're too narrow-minded. We need to be more tolerant. We need to be more accepting. Because they believe our rules only create hostility, division, and conflict. And you know, their deception also comes sometimes from within, our, within ourselves. Sometimes the one who tries to add the rules isn't somebody else, isn't, isn't a lie from someone else, but it's within ourselves. We're tempted to believe that something so valuable, why could it cost us so little? Shouldn't we have to do something for it? To prove maybe that we love God more, that we have to do more? Or we start to think that uh, we have to make it up to God for something we've done wrong in our life in the past. This is all we know after all, isn't it? When we go, to we go to school, we earn our grades, we go to work, and we earn a promotion, we earn uh, a raise. This is all we know. This is our natural tendency. And, you know, I think the, the place where we're most susceptible to lies and deceit and going in the wrong direction is when hardship and difficulty, tribulations happen in our life. We just, it's hard for us to even think. We're so overwhelmed by the trouble that happens in our life that we just, we can't even think. And people start speaking into our life, and they might say some things that aren't right. And we might be tempted to believe what they're saying. Well, consider this, for example. A woman whose husband was recently diagnosed with cancer. 
And then she's obviously overwhelmed and, and really grieving over this possibility, this circumstance in her life. And she shares with her friend. She's looking for some kind of comfort and shares with her. I'm just, I'm really disappointed. I'm really, I'm really sad about this and hoping to get some encouragement. And all the friend comes back with is, well, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And you don't have that joy, so I'm wondering if you're even a Christian. You know, these kind of lies, if you're in a suffering time of difficulty, to hear that kind of a, a lie could be crushing. Or somebody going through a series of setbacks in their life only to be told that there must be some unresolved sin in your life. This, these kind of things could be deceptive lies in our life. The only way we're going to stay on track in life is if we remember the fullness of Christ because it will keep us from the deceitfulness of this world. Well, the second R in our lost procedures is to remain. Remain in the fullness of Christ because it will keep you motivated to live in him. Paul gives us some strong words here. And in verse 6, the very first line that I read, he says, live in him. And it wouldn't be wrong if we saw an exclamation mark there. He's, he feels very strong about this. He's exhorting the Colossians to live in him. You know, they've been starting to believe these lies. And he says, hang on, hold on a second. Let's get back on track. Live in Christ, not in whatever these other people are trying to tell you. Come back to Christ. So live in him. Sometimes we need these kind of reminders in our life. Uh, I have a Palm Pilot that kind of keeps me on track. Sometimes, uh, you know, an appointment's coming up and I'll, I'll put it in there, the appointment that I need to get to and I don't want to miss it. And I set the alarm for it so it goes off, it reminds me, and I'll go. So sometimes, it, you know, it's kind of loud and it, it kind of surprises me that it's going off, but if it didn't, I might forget my appointment. So we do, we want these reminders every once in a while. And this is Paul's reminder to us that we need to remember to come back to Christ and not to believe these lies that are in the world, which are many. Just like there's 359 errors of going the wrong direction in the air as a pilot, there's, plenty, there's so many errors in the world that could possibly take us off course. And the passage comes to, to us as a reminder, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's really easy to miss here. Jesus Christ is Lord. When I was growing up, um, I have two younger sisters and an older brother. And uh, as my brother and I were getting older, we were getting more responsibilities from my family, from my parents. And uh, if my mother needed to go out to the market, she could count on my brother and, and myself to look after the, the girls. And of course, um, you know, we'd ask the girls to do something, ask them to whatever it is they had to do. And uh, one of the things we'd hear often from my sister was, you're not the boss of me, you know. And who is the boss? And Paul's trying to tell us that Christ is the boss. Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord of our life. And the, the, there is no one else, there is nothing else which should be allowed to take his place of lordship in our life. And we're reminded that we shouldn't lose our way. As we received Christ, we should continue in Christ, just as we received him. And after all, life can only be found in Christ. There's no life anywhere else. It's only in Christ. So how do we live in him? Paul calls us to live in him. How do we do that? He says, um, he says elsewhere in Galatians chapter 3, some, something I think is worth mentioning here. He says, after beginning with the, Holy, uh, with the Spirit, 
Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? So is it by a list of rules or demands or regulations or laws? Is that how we're supposed to live? How do we live in him? Well, I have some good news for you. There are no rules to follow. There is no list of demands because it's already done. The, the work has been done on the cross. It's been finished on the cross. There is nothing left for us to do. All the rules everybody wants to tell us that there's more to do. There is nothing left to do. Christ did it all. There is complete fullness in Christ, and there's nothing left for us to do. It's so freeing to, to, to get your, your mind around. I was looking through this passage trying to find, okay, so what does Paul want us to do? It's nothing. He wants to set us free and to live and to enjoy life in Christ, the fullness of Christ. And you'll notice here, Paul mentions some metaphors, some word pictures that kind of help us to understand what he means by living in Christ. He talks about rooted, built, strengthened, overflowing with thankfulness. And this calls to mind some words, some pictures in, in your mind, things like a tree, you know, rooted as a tree, or built up like a building or a house. And overflowing, you get this picture of overflowing banks of a river. So we have these pictures of a tree, a building, and, and a river. And in the tree, being rooted in Christ, this is really a picture of justification, that Christ has finished the work. When he was nailed on the tree, it was finished and done. All of our sins were carried away, nailed to the cross. And it's complete, it's finished, it's over with. We don't have to deal with that anymore, it's complete. So it's, it's, it's a picture of justification. And building, this building that's taking place, it's a continuing process. So he's continuing to transform us into his likeness. And it's a, sanctif a sanctification process, transforming us more and more into his image, constantly building more and more, giving us more insight into his word. And this river overflowing with thankfulness. When we consider all that he's done and that there aren't any more rules, there's no more things for us to do, there's not a big list for us to accomplish, then we can, re we can realize that what he's given us is a gift, not a set of rules that we have to follow and just go crazy trying to figure out how we're going to do them. He's given us complete freedom, and we should be overflowing with thankfulness. And what do we have to be thankful for? He redeemed us, and he set us free from sin. He set us free from the sinful nature and he set us free from the law and all its regulations. There's nothing left to do. It's purely a gift. And the third R in our lost procedure is to reflect. Reflect on the fullness of Christ because we're made full in Christ. And I've taken some time to, to look through all the fullness of Christ and list some of the things that I thought were uh, most, you know, would help us to reflect on these things. And all these things come from the passage, by the way. Okay. In Christ is the fullness of deity. In Christ is the fullness of humanity. In Christ is all authority. And in Christ is all power. It's in him, not by men. It's in him and not by you. In him you are circumcised. By him your sinful nature was done away with. With him, you were buried, and with him, you were baptized. By him, 
not by men, and by him, not by you. With him you were raised, with him you were made alive, and by him you were forgiven. Not just some sins, all your sins were forgiven. By him, not by men, by him, not by you. And by him your debt was canceled, by him your debt was nailed to the cross, By him the powers and authorities were disarmed, and by him the powers and authorities were humiliated. By him, not by men, and by him, not by you. This passage is so rich with with truth. And you can just see Paul just point after point, line by line. He keeps telling us how full we are in Christ, how full Christ is. And it's just, all it should do is bring up our thankfulness for what Christ has done. If you need help reflecting on, on Christ's fullness, this is where to look. This is where to look. If we're getting off track, if we're starting to look in ways that we shouldn't, different lies that people are telling us, this is our lost procedure to get back on track. All of these things Christ has done for us. We should fill our vision with the fullness of Christ. Uh, when I was in the army, uh, one of the guys in our unit was, went through ranger training. It's a special operations kind of a group, and a pretty grueling process. This camp, they go through just about every kind of circumstance, and they learn how to deal with any possibility, any kind of trouble they might have on the field. And uh, one part of the phase, one part of the training, is they just drop them somewhere, and they have to find their way and get and finish the, mi- the mission. It's pretty intense. It's over two months of really grueling work. Well, at a, at a later time, this, this guy I know who's in the Army, he finished up the ranger training. He's taking a vacation. He's going hunting. And he finds himself lost. And he, he got off the track. He got off the trail. He's out there. He's, he doesn't know where he is anymore. And he was getting ready to start to get nervous. And he was actually starting to panic a little bit. And then he remembered, wait a minute. I'm a ranger. You know. I need to reflect on my training. And when he remembered his training, he was able to get himself out of the situation. And he made it back safely. It wasn't a problem for him. It's very easy for us to forget who we are and who is it that we belong to. It only takes two minutes for a pilot to get off course, and it won't take long for us to get off course in our own faith. Our best approach is to follow the three R's of the lost procedures when you get off course in your faith. Remember, remain, reflect. So remember that there is deceit in the world, and it's very easy to get caught up in it. Just remember to remain in Christ as you received him. No additions, no subtractions. And reflect on the fullness we have in Christ. And this list here we get in Colossians chapter 2 is a great place to remember all the things that we have in Christ. Let me pray for for us as we finish. Father, we're just so grateful for the way that you care about us. You know that there are times where we lose our way, and you've provided a way for us to come back to you. Help us to remember, to remain in you, and to reflect on all your goodness to us. Lord, we're so grateful for all the things that you have done, that you are full of deity, full of humanity, and full of power that you have raised us up for a new life in you and forgiven us our sins. 
Praise God. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.